you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Looks better than Gronk in a turtleneck. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Greg Rosenthal, and I am here in a room overstuffed with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and back in the studio, Patrick Claibon. Yes. It must be the offseason, baby. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it because it's not really – it's not right. It's not fair that that infers things that aren't true, Patrick Claiborne. But Dan Handis, our uh, our great host, is is with his family um, near the coal mines right now. And uh, who, who would we who would we ask first, you know, for the first – you know, to kick off the offseason than Patrick Claiborne? Well, I mean – the joke would be that you would ask several people. <laughs> no, but we didn't. We didn't. We haven't had you in the studio since you've been, um, you know, rocking a very thick, dark uh, beard. There's a lot been going on. You have on, a new look, and it's, it's going very well for you. And people, Thank you. People seeing you on television can't help but comment when they observe. Yeah, I think it's because I was so boring probably before, and and that's why. And that was the inspiration. It was like, wow, I'm nearly <laughs> invisible. And so um, I didn't shave uh, out of sheer laziness and just a uh, I was in a dark place. Wow! Now that, you feel seen. Yeah, I feel seen. I, I I see why people like do things and wear fancy clothes and everything because people. Tr- Greg did not grow a beard because he thought he was boring. <laughs> that I can promise you. Uh, that reminds me of a theory I heard someone say about a, a relatively prominent person. I'm not going to say who um, that wears a mustache. 
and uh, someone basically just said like. Well, now I'm trying to it, figure out who If they is. wear a mustache, it's kind of like a giveaway. Like people that have mustaches, they don't have anything else going on that they just kind of have this mustache because it's like, hey, th- there's something different about me. Like they're ultimately hiding um, an empty vessel. In 2020, not we're not talking like 1968 yeah. or something. Feels like a lot to read in yeah. to a mustache, but okay. A sweeping generalization to some degree. These but. are the types of things you can think about in the offseason, like that we can just <laughs> take a little breath. And contemplate what facial hair means. Don't you guys feel better, Mark and, and Wes? Like, no. You right don't. now than like last week? Yeah. I mean, well, in, what, in what sense? Or just then Monday even, yeah. It's, oh, yes. It's night and day. I thought you were asking a deeper question. No, I mean feel better like not like a weight's off our shoulders, but it's just like suddenly you're just in this other lane of, oh, of human existence and but mental I, thinking that it wasn't the case uh, a week ago. We've talked about this a few times, and it weighs Greg's on— underselling it. He is right. underselling it. The sun shines a little <laughs> bit brighter because it's like, oh, we don't have 18 game previews to take you know dense notes for this week. There's nothing to preview. There's nothing to talk about. I don't even know what we're doing here. No, no we like have a lot. Come on. I am a better human being. I'm a better husband. I'm a better— better friend. I'm a better brother. Right. I'm a better person when it's the off season. Yeah. I, I'm a better I, father. Maybe. I think I might father. be the exact same. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, well, you're good all the time. We we no. go up and down more. Yeah. You're good all the time. Well, it's there's less people in the parking lot. Right. That's, that's cool. good. You get better. <laughs> like, no, that's true. You get better yep. parking. That's uh, tangible. Yeah. When, when you have a position like I do here and it's based on what happens to the important people above me. So the off season happens and they're gone. And, and you're so busier. I, I'm working more. And so it's like, I, I, this is it. Like I'm a shark and I'm swimming and this is my time. This is when, <laughs> this is when I can get in here and move around, wear shorts to work, do some things, nice. make some moves. Now I, right. I feel you, Dan and I, for the first time ever, we did a, a NFL now hit on Tuesday where, and you were the host Patrick. So you were in one chair, Dan was in another and I was in another, all in three different buildings, which is a ridiculous thing to begin <laughs> with. But uh, that, they, they would never be asking for, for our takes on like Hall of Fame uh, if anyone else was willing to show up to work that day. You know, like if it was the regular season. I would. That would never There was a, never be There the were case. a rangy <laughs> multiple humble true. brags within that last <laughs> paragraph or two by Greg, but well, nothing, nothing's changed. It's Yeah, that, there's only so many things that can change uh, in the offseason. Uh, we've got a good show. We, um, we've got a segment cooked up by Mark Sessler, which I think is important. And um, it's going to... To some degree. It's going to show what our goals are for our personal growth. Like how how we can grow as humans and as people in this off season, and maybe and somehow some NFL figures can grow as well. Cause you know they always like oh, Michael Jordan. He would come back from the break and he'd have a whole new uh, fall away. It's like he's always I mean, that's not that's not a trope that actually happened, right? But this is we're gonna try to create our own little fall. There will be an NFL angle to it for people thinking they can jump on the episode 22 minutes from now. Which, with the Jordan comp, we would need to be obsessive about something we were already really good at. Right. Right. And then, like, be mean to we, people. Yeah, we, <laughs> we got to add something to the arsenal and maybe some NFL figures add something to the arsenal. And we got a, a decent amount of news because there's some catching up to do uh, from last week. There's some post- uh, Super Bowl fallout. We got some awards and Hall of Fame talk. We never really got into that. We might as well uh, just do it. Ricky, a little bit of news. You ready? I talked to El Presidente Mark Donovan. He made sure it was okay with the, the run. I mean, the Clark family, everybody involved. 
because of this season, because of y'all. That was Travis Kelsey, uh, the Chiefs tight end. And Erica, you, you got to have something ready. I don't know if you remember that, by the way. Uh, you got to have something that you want to grow personally this offseason. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so think about that. Um, Travis Kelsey, he might want to think about working on that speech a little bit more. Like, he had a lot of pressure on him because his brother had probably the greatest victory parade speech of all time, and there was a lot of talk going into it. And you could you could feel him working for something uh, at the parade that didn't quite happen. It was too much pressure, right? It was yeah. a lot to live up to. It was Philadelphia. He was wearing a wacky Shriners You were outfit. working this uh, event somewhat, right? So you were, you were on top of it. Well, I just just from a spectator standpoint, I was uh, watching it on my way out of the door, and it, it was so much because Patrick, he was honest, you know, his voice was shot after all of his availabilities after the Super Bowl, and so it's like, well, here's this tight end. He's going he's gonna to finish up. He's batting cleanup on the speeches, <laughs> and you, you can hear his voice. He's labored. <laughs> like, here's a guy we've seen run over people and jump over guys, and it, he, he's struggling to get words out, and he landed the plane. Ultimately, at the end. But, he was uh, going for like a big WWE yeah. theme. He had a whole thing. It reminded me a lot of the first best band speech I gave um, <laughs> at my friend Dave's wedding. And uh, I got up there and I thought I was going to be great. And suddenly it was like, hummina, hummina. <laughs> You're like eight of, seconds Yeah, this in, is yeah. one of the worst experiences of my life. I, I did a terrible job. There were a lot of people um, complaining about one element, beer. I think that there was there was an element of drunkenness to the Chiefs that some people in the Midwest uh, that I n- just noticed on Twitter. I know Wes. I noticed that you were live tweeting this event too. This is one of your favorite uh, <laughs> days of the year, next to the visiting the White House um, celebration. But I, the one it does remind me also. I, there was a time in college when like there was some event that was late to uh, unfold, and they're like, "Hey man, can you just get up on stage and like kind of light up the crowd for fifteen twenty minutes?" And like something <laughs> from deep within me was like. Don't say yes to this. <laughs> and then they, they found some other total rube uh, to get up on stage, and he failed utterly. And I was like, that would have been neat. This job, you don't go up and do that unless you know you're going to nail it. And Kelsey I think he thought like, he was going to nail it, but he did not realized it. halfway through it was not going to happen. <laughs> he was also, did he seem slightly hammered, or is it just me? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. but I think it's safe to say yeah, they were, yeah. were celebrating. He was influenced by something. There, there's been a decent amount of news kind of coming out. I guess this happens after every uh, Super Bowl. Um, but uh, so, some relatively interesting stuff. Tom Pelissero said that the Chiefs are going to try to figure out how to keep uh, Sammy Watkins, which maybe this wouldn't have um, you know, made it to our news uh, portion of the program. But I felt like we, we sold Sammy Watkins short on the, uh, on the recap show. It's like Sammy Watkins just completed an, an incredible postseason, almost 100 yards uh, um, in the Super Bowl, almost 100 yards per game. He's now had about five games for the Chiefs in the playoffs, and he's averaging about 100 yards per game. Sammy Watkins, I put this out on Twitter, and I'm getting ratioed, is the new Eli Manning. You know, it's like he's just kind of there and a little overpaid, a little overrated during the regular season, and then he's clutch. Uh, and he wins Super Bowls for you. If we're going to give Eli Manning some love, g- give it to Sammy. It sounds like you have Sammy Watkins. You believe you have Sammy Watkins figured out, and I believe I can't. He's one of the hardest guys to figure out in the NFL. I feel like he should be a great player every year, every game, and he's a great player about 25% of the time, and the other 75% of the time I'm wondering where he is. He's not retiring. That was the other item of the news. Is he, he had mentioned maybe retiring, and he will not be retiring. To his benefit, um, when you're in the Super Bowl and you're one-on-one with Richard Sherman and you get a, a nice inside release, uh, people are going to remember that. Mm. You, you get 38 yards. I don't know if they win the game. 
uh, without that play. And so, it, 114 yards in the AFC yeah. Championship last year, 114 yards in the AFC Championship this year. Well, hold it. So he's made essentially $54 million. And the key memorable moments are infrequent for that amount of money. And he is someone that weeks ago was talking about leaving football altogether. So I, th- I find it to be an intriguing task on what you pay him and how much you commit to him. Isn't Eli the highest paid quarterback in NFL history? Right. That's, I guess it's just funny. How, like, if device? you're not a quarterback, it's like usually it's just if you do it in the playoffs, people love you. Yeah. Mike Glennon's got $26 million career-wise. He didn't do anything <laughs> in the playoffs. He didn't do anything in the, in the regular season. They, uh, they would probably have to cut Watkins' salary. I don't know if he would want to do that. I think he is due uh, $21 million is his cap hit next year. That's a lot of money. And, and no slight against Sammy. Uh, Demarcus Robinson's a r- really good football player, and, and I think more volume, more opportunity for him uh, mm. would, would help out. And I think he's, he's, he's up against it, too. Uh, Contract-wise. I've been uh, interested to see the 49ers fall out. Kyle Shanahan had a uh, press conference Thursday. That's today as we're taping this. Said he would not change any of his play calls. Said it's different than the Falcons one where he went back and looked and and thought there was a lot of things he would do different. Said there's there's really no play call he would do different. And that he wouldn't wouldn't have handled uh, the end of the first half any differently either. Thought that not taking a timeout there was a no-brainer, in his words. Whatever helps you sleep at night, buddy. You're raising your eyebrows, Wes. I don't believe him for a second. He I looks just a little haunted. He said he's watched the game like a thousand times, which is just has to be a haunted. So he's trying experience. to convince himself he did the right thing. And maybe he succeeded in convincing himself for now, but it's going to keep him up late at night this offseason. The we- play calls, I, I believe him. The the timeouts that's right. The, the timeouts. I mean, we've seen we saw that Chiefs defense, the Chiefs offense score seven consecutive touchdowns. We saw what they did in the fourth quarter. Uh, they had three timeouts. If if you, it's it's how Kyle Shanahan feels about his quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't. I th- I'm picking that out from his comments. Like, I, yeah, I called good plays. Uh, well, that's what he said about Jimmy complete. Garoppolo is interesting too. He said, I feel the same about Jimmy Garoppolo after the Super Bowl as I did before. <laughs> well, kind of an interesting not... <laughs> way to say the truth, but I don't know. Well, I think I view that as sticking up for Jimmy G, where everyone's down on Jimmy G to not, not that differently than they were, you know, a year ago with Jared Goff, where Jimmy G's stock has shot through the floor because the it's the most analyzed game of the year in any sport, and that's going to happen, but... I don't have a problem with him not wanting to give the ball back to the Chiefs at the end of that half. I just don't. But I do I think that he would have done everything the same? No. But what part of his thing was he game planned for this for two weeks and he wouldn't have changed anything that he prepared before the game at there all. There was no crazy play calls. I, were up I, by 10 I, I get it quarter. on that. There were plays to be made and – and, you know, no one's bringing up the defense. There's no rule that the defense has to give up 21 It was unusually conservative for, Shal- for Kyle right. Shanahan. It went against yes. his character. I mean, I, they threw eight passes in the game before. I, I, I'm just right. – I'm, I'm not convinced it was super conservative. When, when they initially got the ball Here, he, and the drive they scored on before that, I'm thinking to myself, do they have enough time to score right. the here's the, they've been moving the ball? Here's the thing, though, with the way he even explained it, saying take, taking, not taking time out was a no-brainer. I'll buy that. Because you, but then you had the ball with 58 seconds and three timeouts. Your offense at that point had been gaining 7.6 yards per play. I mean, that's dominant. You are you are handling the Chiefs' defense. There, there's no reason to get the ball and expect your team to go have a three and out when you're playing great on offense. It's just like a it's it's a scare. It's sort of like a a, 
a cautious way of thinking. There's right. no reason to expect you to start failing when the evidence is showing you that your offense has an advantage. And, okay, it's 58 seconds uh, left. That's plenty of time for them to go score. But the thing that bothered me is he ran the ball up the middle two plays in a row and was just hoping to get to halftime. He was not trying to score. It stopped all of us in the in the press box. He wasn't doing what was coming naturally to him. He was doing what he was thinking extra hard about, which made him cautious. Mahomes, that's the same that's thing a Mahomes with- effect on people. They make people do crazy things. Well, I mean, you, you saw it on third and 15, which is a play that <clears throat> is central to the game, along with those Chris Jones tip passes. But those things don't happen. And as much as it, we notice it in the time, we're just not talking about the end of the first half. You know, like it just, it, in yeah. the grand scheme of the game, it just wouldn't matter because the 49ers would have the trophy. Uh, mm-hmm. But th- the Chiefs made plays at the end of the game, and the 49ers didn't make. You're the team with all the what ifs, so we're digging back through the game, and yeah, then right? that, that sticks out. It's true. I do think the coaches, and especially in this case, tend to take a little too much. Uh, of the criticism, and I've been uh, guilty of doing that compared to just like these are it's ultimately about the players and the players mostly win and lose the game and the Chiefs made. If he can get your sign off, Greg, on a situational, you know, I think it was the, the wrong half, choice, but I fine. think the reaction to it is maybe just and I and I and was part of that in the in our recap show was just a little outsized compared to all the other things. Well, that, that's what this game does, and we've talked about this. It's the reason that Andy Reid was criticized unfairly for 15 years. Um, we, what, we take this. Well, you we, got You got. I get it. Maybe that's the players too. But you got to be able to do a two-minute drive in less than seven minutes. Well, next Eagles next year when we do the Thursday pot after the Super Bowl, instead of doing all of this, what did the what did the losing coach and players do wrong? Yeah, let's just do ten minutes on randomness. Or or what the winning team I'm did. Not right. saying <laughs> randomness. No, I, I mean that. I mean that. I'm not saying I mean, we could. We could have a we could have a good smart conversation about vicissitudes and rain. I think one of the things would be that Jimmy Garoppolo. You mentioned Chris Jones. Now some of those are just good plays by Chris Jones. Some of them is just you play that game a bunch of times, and it's never going to happen again. Four passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. Jimmy G had six the entire season, the lowest of any quarterback who had who had thrown as many as he did. So he had as almost as many in that game as the entire rest of the season. And you're right. That that did change the game. It did. Emmanuel Sanders said he's watched the game five times too. That just seems unhealthy. That's four more than I. Looking for. Ah. He, he said he was looking for a different ending, like watching the Titanic sinking. Which that's uh, you know it's got to be tough. That's not how recorded events work. You, yeah. Right. You, maybe you're, you're, that you're not maybe that's the only way you move past it. But I just man that he's a he's a stronger uh, man than than I think I could ever be. Uh, let's move on past the Super Bowl. Let's talk a little. Uh, Tom Brady, we did not speak uh, about the report, and Ian Rappaport, our guy, has followed it up a few times, that the Patriots are willing to pay Tom Brady $30 million or more, which I think is very significant. Also reported um, by Ian was that the Chargers would show some interest, and then reported by ESPN is that if Tom Brady made it to the free agent market, that the Raiders... Uh, would be expected to show a ton of interest. And uh, all that's fine. But once I heard Ian Rapp, Ian say the Patriots are willing to pay him $30 million, I kind of was like, that. that's a wrap. Like, he's hes coming back to the Patriots nice if pump. that's true. Ooh, not on purpose. <laughs> well, it never <laughs> made sense to me that this was, for all of the prime of his career the last decade, he didn't care about money. He took pay cuts so the team could be stronger. All of a sudden, at age 43, he's greedy, and he only wants to be about money, and you better pay me. 
And Mike Giardi's report makes a lot more sense to me that he cares much more about them upgrading the weapons around him yep. than breaking the bank on this contract. Yeah, I'm with you. This, I mean, the idea of a money grab when you're within the marriage family structure that he's in, money is not the first. There's the, you know, my question the lights are being the kept Patriots, on at the Brady House at this my point. My question with him as these reports and weeks have gone on is, what is the level of interest in the Patriots, especially Bill Belichick, in, in bringing Tom Brady back? So the the idea that they would pay him $30 million would indicate to me it's high. It's it's high and they're going to bring him back. I didn't I didn't know that. And I feel like, Ian, you know, I thought there was like a chance they would go Stidham and Teddy Bridgewater or something like that. I really did. I think it's. I think it has to do with what else is out there. And like Andy Dalton is not. Is that's nice that people like to connect the dots and put Andy Dalton in New England and all this stuff. Who's but doing that? no, it's 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 out there. People have there's little mentions of maybe Andy Dalton would be a fit for the. There is immense exhaustion around this entire topic. It cannot be sealed up quickly enough. Either figure it out, just figure it out. Figure out where you're gonna go. I don't want to hear another report about it. Claybon wants to jump in. I know he's he's uh, well. He's not into the whole like taking less money for the team uh, uh, narrative with with Brady. Well, what else um, is he taking it for? I I mean I don't want to get too far in the conspiracy theories, but I think Tom Brady is being compensated uh, to the amount that he mm. needs to be to to play for the New England Patriots. Um, I mean he I, he owns a company that is running and is operational, and you can go to today uh, at. Um, Patriot Place. Patriot Place. So that's not a conspiracy. That is, I don't, you know, I don't know of how that uh, plays into your conspiracy. But I do think, in terms of what Tom Brady wants, uh, Tom Brady wants to be wanted by the New England Patriots. I think he's he's a guy that's obsessed with uh, the way he's perceived with by the people that he works with. And if they are willing to give him thirty million dollars, then that says Tom, we want you. We right. don't want Jared Stidham. We don't want Andy Dalton. We don't want uh, hypothetically Cam Newton. We want you. We love you, Tom. And by we will work out with your doctor. We will sell your wares feet away from the stadium. We love you. I mean, you it's are, Bill. You are everything to it's us. It's Bill. It's Bill Belichick. He knows Robert Kraft wants, wants him. He knows New England wants him. He knows Josh McDaniels wants him. It's the whole thing of, does Bill Belichick still want me? Does he still want him? I mean, this is a guy, Bill Belichick, who is ready to move forward with Jimmy Garoppolo. Of everything that came out of the whole uh, deflate gate and that whole drama with Jimmy G and after that. The one, I think, salient point to me as a Patriots fan was Belichick was very ready to just move forward with Jimmy Garoppolo. And so that's in Tom Brady's mind a couple of years later, I would imagine, that this guy might not want me. I still am not really sure, but it might not be Bill Belichick's decision. It might be Robert Kraft's decision. Let's move on. <laughs> Todd Gurley was like waiting for Dan to come in. Uh, Todd Gurley is going to meet with the Los Angeles Rams, according to uh, Ian and Tom Pelissero. They reported this on NFL Now to discuss all options about his future. Mark, what um, what options do you think that could be? That could mean. Well, I mean, there were reports out there. Not a report. Someone speculated that the team wanted to find a way to trade him. I'm sure they'd love to trade him. You're not going to find a trade partner for the amount of money he's making, and he has a guaranteed. $8 million, $7.55 million roster bonus landing on March 20th. And I would imagine with the immense money tied up with him over, it's not just a year or two, down the road, deep down the road, that they, I, do you restructure? Are you angling to try to convince Gurley that this, are you going to cut him? You cut him and it's, it's, it is a wild cap hit. It doesn't seem like it would make any sense to cut him because you would just be paying as much money to cut him, if not more, I think more, 
So it's not status quo, though. You don't to talk to him about him. that. But it's this whole thing of like they, he is a, you know, a superstar. He's been important to them. And there's the health aspect, the, you know, the usage, which he wasn't thrilled about at some I don't it, there's a lot going on there but I don't know what options they really have I feel like they don't have any options well why talk what are they talking to him about right that's you know that's what I'm which, asking. it could be anything right well they could, they could be discussing they said, I think it's about they money said his lowering future. His they said his future and his status with the team so it would that would indicate that his status with the team is not guaranteed which is weird no uh, one's gonna cons- trade considering where we came from um, where we were in that run to the Super Bowl where he was hurt. I mean, we, we could see clearly he was hurt and he was still playing through it, and it doesn't seem like he's he's recovered from that since. Mm. I, mean, I think def- someone could talk to Les Snead about some of the contracts being handed out by the Rams in general. <laughs> there are some some numbers around certain players that are hamstring. You know, I know I get, I get it if the cap is bigger than – the planet Jupiter at this point, just pay everyone everything. But this contract stands out as Gurley, extremely messy. Gurley's does. I have no problem really with the Goff one. And so that's the only one that I, I think the, Gur- well, there, the Gurley Well, there was a time when they extended Tavon Austin for doing literally nothing other than underperforming <laughs> and being overdrafted. They were just like, they needed a little juice for that season of Hard Knocks, which was kind of a snoozer. Yeah, that was before things were going great. Exactly. Claire I'm just saying there is a history of overpaying. <laughs> like, you have a nice year and then bang, you get overpaid. I know we're not supposed to say anything about the Rams on this show, so I will curtail my thoughts. <laughs> that is at this like point. in your head. You can No, say, it's not. We, we've said whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. So after a bunch of running tenant. backs got paid, are we right back to where we were that running backs shouldn't get paid anymore? I think Derrick Henry. I think even farther the hard way. Yeah, not that they shouldn't, but that it might yeah. be tough for him to. I don't think he's getting a Todd Gurley type of contract, which is what he indicated he would want. Well, if you read into his interview with Rich Eisen, he misunderstood what Eisen was saying about Zeke Elliott being the floor. Mm. He thought. He thought Eisen meant Zeke Elliott has the floor right now. Like, he has the floor. He's the running back who has all the money. Um, but I don't think Derrick Henry's going to get near what Zeke Elliott got. There's just, there's got to be a carve-out in the CBA or something specifically for running backs in in terms of the way that they're paid. Uh, you come in as a rookie, you can get run into the ground, and you will never get another opportunity. I, I'm it's a, just different than any other position. It is, it is sort of unfair that the best parts of their career are while they're not getting paid – you know, that much. And uh, I I think they went too far with the rookie wage scale last time. I mean, everyone was saying how it's been, it's like great for the NFL and rookies kind of got, I mean, rookies don't, I like there's so many players that are so underpaid and the teams actually aren't spending that cap space anyways. They're just saving it or they're giving it to mid-level veterans. And, and a lot of these rookies, especially if they're a first rounder, they only, you know, it's like Patrick Mahomes in theory, I mean, he's a different case, but in theory, well, he's like under contract for two million dollars next year. Well, it's great because it wiped out us having to track super yes. tedious. That holdouts part was good, but like I think they August. went a little too far where the rookies are right. underpaid. You mentioned mid-level vet, mid-level veterans, but they're right there beside running backs as the the other the other group that got right. hurt by this CBA. Because, um, yeah, why why pay six, seven, eight year guys when you can take a shot? draft some guys that you don't have to pay for four years. I agree that that should be something that the NFLPA should be actively working to fix, helping the mid-level veterans. You know who uh, You know who is getting paid, at least uh, for another extra couple of years? Anthony Lynn, the, <laughs> oh the Chargers uh, Sick. head coach. Contract extension kind of slipped out there. It's one of those vague ones where it's, it says at least 
2021. So it might have been just getting one year tacked on uh, to his previous deal. We don't know the details of it. But either way, he's they're moving into the stadium, uh, giving Anthony Lynn a little vote of confidence, which I think I think um, was important because you weren't quite totally sure uh, where his status was. And I think you're seeing with Rivers gone in Florida and likely gone for good and Anthony Lynn staying like that, that was a pretty clear message, I think, from from their ownership. I know you're an Anthony Lynn fan, Clavon. Yeah, I, I think Coach Lynn is, is honest with us, and, and that's what I enjoy uh, when you have a coach that will answer questions. It doesn't feel like he has to mind trick you or run through platitudes exclusively. And um, I, I'm excited for what the vi- the the Lynn vision of the Colt of the of the Chargers is, because um, I, I don't I'm not sure we've seen it here. These it might be Tyrod starting Week One, but I I really hope uh, now that I've gotten this totally speculative, irresponsible idea into my head, I'm really gonna run it into the ground as much as I can. I'm totally into the Cam Newton Chargers Week One. And forget getting trying to get Tom Brady. You're gonna have a 43 year old for one year or whatever, like. They are the team that should just give up a little too much for Cam Newton and, and take a huge risk. You're, quarterbacks are impossible to get. You're not going to get one without taking a huge risk. I would rather take one on Cam Newton than take one on whoever you're going to get with number six or figuring out, you know, let's make Tyrod work or whatever. I'll, I'll do respect to Tyrod. Cam Newton as a Los Angeles Charger open in that stadium. There's some juice. Yeah, I think one thing happening here, reading like what Tom Telesco had to say, is that the GM likes the coach. They get along really well, and yes. so you don't just blow that up. And also, this is a team in a particularly unusual situation compared to any other team in the league. You're going to need buy-in from your coach to go into a stadium where you're probably going to have 25,000 fans and maybe 25,000 empty seats and 40,000 visiting fans or whatever. I don't know. That, that adds up to more seats that are in that stadium. But, <laughs> I mean, it, if, if Lynn wants in and he's, and he's bought into this project, like, you don't jump ship right now. It's good stability. Telesco's been there since 2013 for a team that is kind of all over the place in terms of where they're playing and everything like that. They actually have a lot of stability. They're on a collision course with apathy, so they need to do something. They have a talented team, though. But right, you're right. But who cares if they win or lose? Literally. We do. What well, percentage of the NFL national? The, they don't have what fans. What percentage of NFL fans care whether the Chargers win or lose? Right. They shipwrecked their fan base, and less this is the than, result. By far less than any other fan base. This bomb that Greg has planted in my brain, and I guess everybody that's listening now. The uh, cam on? Yeah. I, it's, it's unstoppable. It's in there, and it, it's, it's Here's the thing with every I think the Panthers should keep Cam, and my guess is they, they will, if I had to guess because he sort of fits what they would you would think would want to do. But what they had the, the Panthers have made it they have not made any statement whatsoever that like Cam's our guy. And until they do, it kind of makes you you know think that they would listen at least and I, I you would think that they would listen to a, a, an aggressive offer. They they punted on Greg Olson so fast. That's right. <laughs> like, well, this would be the time of year where like a new coaching staff is looking at Right. Panthers Ke- tape for the first time. So they may not have a decision. Right, that's fair. Keekley's gone, Olsen's gone, Thomas Davis has been gone for a little while. It's it's a different Panthers organization. Let's uh before we move on to a little afternoon delight, quickly go over um just the awards. Maybe this is unnecessary. Wes, what do you think? Is am I doing a good job putting together the show, even throwing <laughs> awards talk into? It? I just feel like we talk awards a lot during the season and then the MVP was given out. Lamar Jackson unanimous. Um Coach of the Year was given out. John Harbaugh had about double the votes 
of Kyle Shanahan. I think they made the right call. That would have been my one-two in that order as well. Uh, and Which then we question when you like me to answer. Well, I'm getting to it, and then we get to. Uh, Greg's looking for a mid-show grade. Yeah, right. we we get to uh, you know it actually happening. We don't have anything uh, to say about it. Or should we talk about it? That's my question. I you lost me somewhere along the way. Are you asking me how you're doing or whether I'm asking if we needed to put this into the show or not? The award um, stock. Kyler Murray, offensive rookie of the year, for instance. I that might be the only one that I would quibble with. Uh, while I'm. Very happy for the Arizona Cardinals that Kyler Murray is their quarterback and he was exciting to watch. He was not one of the top half of quarterbacks in the league. And Josh Jacobs, for a long time, was one of the top six or seven running backs in the NFL. He was a difference maker. As far as wins and losses and carrying that team for a while, I would have given it to him. I looked at the rest of the list and I... I mean, not that this would this stuff would keep me up at night to begin with, but I didn't have a single complaint because I feel like talking about what, what day did you look at this list? Oh, it was today. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, but I heard little whispers, you know, like as we were traveling around. Sources you know, were Super reporting that yeah. Lamar won the MVP. But, but no, I, I think they did. Ago. They did a good job with Ryan Tannehill as comeback because I think we always agree that that award is so murky. But his story to me is a comeback story because he's completely changed his earning ability and what we think about. I would have liked Darren Waller, but I, I'll that I'll, works. I'll too. accept Ryan. That Tannehill. works too. I, I, it seemed to me because like Manny Sanders tore his Achilles. That's at, fair. At the end of the season, and then he comes back, plays more regular season games than anybody because of the midseason trade, makes his way to the Super Bowl. Mm. Um, I, I get that Tannehill had a comeback. And changed an entire organization. Yeah, I, I just... Uh, well, how about we do a comeback player of the year roster and we just get one for every position? <laughs> because it seems like this one one position where, or one award where there are a lot of candidates. Yeah, there, there were a lot this year. Uh, Waller got some. Sanders did, I think, get a few votes, but he was pretty far below. I was a little surprised about Stephon Gilmore winning going away defense player of the year. I like the methodology there because, to me, it seemed like it, it was almost like a defensive Heisman in, in that he was the most outstanding defensive player at his position. And the other guys, all the defensive linemen, they were kind of in a logjam. Chandler Jones came in second in the voting. That surprised me that he finished with more votes than T.J. Watt. And then Watt was about a vote or two behind uh, Jones. It was relatively close. But are people not close. watching T.J. Watt? I mean, how does... I, that's what I, I think people are looking at sack totals. And I hate that because sack totals just don't tell us enough. I think... Um, Maybe people had made the decision early, too, because Devontae Parker torched Stephon Gilmore at the end of the season. Well, that's what I thought he was maybe going to lose the award just because of that one game, um, but it did not happen that way. So uh, shout out to uh, Stephon Gilmore. Good job by him. Big winner, the Ravens, getting both coordinators back next year. Which yeah. seemed nice. like one of them, if not both, might be gone. Yeah, that, that's true. I'm look, I mean, they're like... I wouldn't want to mess with anything with that team. I'm looking forward to watching them. Uh, also on Saturday night, while they were giving out the awards, uh, they did announce the new Hall of Fame class, uh, headlined by Troy Palomalu. Um, what, what do we think about this class? Edrin James gets in. Uh, Isaac Bruce gets in. Who am I forgetting? Steve, Steve Hutchinson. Hutchinson gets in. And then who's the last one? The fifth. Well, you named them. Steve Atwater, you named him. Steve Atwater. Yeah, you, Atwater. You hit is the, fi- is the final one. Yeah. Any any uh, hot takes out of this, Clavon? It's, it's not super hot. I mean, you made a good point about Torrey Holt um, being the guy that you thought about on that Rams team. And I think he gets in. And when you look back, like all of these multiple Super Bowl 
playing teams, not that they won uh, multiple Super Bowls, but it seems like the, eventually most of the good players on the roster get in. It suddenly seems like next year, though, is really loaded, and it starts getting more loaded after that, where it's gonna, it's like Megatron and Peyton Manning and a couple other guys, where like every year now it seems like there's some big names jumping in. Well, and it's people we covered and grew up with and That's lived true. with. There's, Isaac there's Bruce. That too. I, it's, hate- it's more of a sign of our increasing march towards death. <laughs> I hate to, you know, you don't like to discount a guy who just made the Hall of Fame, but I don't know. People watching Isaac Bruce during his career, I, I don't know. I, like at no point was he considered the better receiver compared to Torrey Holt, and and uh, I wouldn't have thought he was a top five receiver. I think Richard Seymour and Tony Baselli, who have been in the top ten now, uh, which means they got close to getting in, will get in eventually, and I think they deserve it. Seymour was easily the best defensive player that that played for those Patriots teams, and I think Baselli, I'd rather have that like dominant guy that has a little shorter shelf life. My one question, because I love Palomaro getting in right away, as he deserved. No, there's just no drama around that. We knew that would happen. But Steve Atwater, I feel like I've seen like 35 NFL films about Steve Atwater and like the hardest hitting safety and Broncos anchor, and he retired before the turn of the century. It's like, why does it take so long for some of these guys? To get it, why now? Why now is there a push for? I'm glad he's in. I thought I already thought would have thought this could have happened a decade ago. I think it's like politics and timing. It sometimes is who's fighting for you. I think they knew Atwater was going to be off the list pretty soon. He was reaching the point where he would not even have been considered. Uh, And like the PR hit, like the Jaguars did a great job. I think really the the Baselli train like was getting really loud in this year, and I think it probably was effective and then it's like there's politics i don't know you hate it yeah the other th- there's three contributors along with two coaches and a laundry list of seniors getting voted in right that's, this that ceremony is already cat. seven or eight hours long like yeah, how do you keep do this that? from being like a music festival like three days of just well, right we're, we're talking about the modern era inductees which is the normal five that get in but yes this was the expanded class uh of 100 uh you know NFL 100 expanded class where an extra, what, 20 people got in? So I would start this ceremony in mid-July and just let, let it run until August 10th. There's no presenters this year, so that, that helps. That's only like a couple minutes, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it adds easy. up if they had 20 <laughs> presenters. Yeah. Would you like to hear about my serendipitous encounter? Oh, yeah. At the airport bar? Yes. With an inner circle Hall of Fame member. Who we got? We've got an 80-year-old handsome tall man sitting next to me. I'm I'm eating my chicken ah. salad sandwich, reading a book, minding my own business. He pulls out this little baggie full of vitamins and drugs. <laughs> and he's like, I got to eat. I got to take all of these today. Legal, legal drugs. Right after he had finished like a sweet, very encouraging 10-minute conversation with his wife of 47 years. And I was just like, what a nice, nice old handsome man. <laughs> and he t- and he we. We talk about the bag of drugs. I was like, oh, yeah, a couple of years ago, I had to, like, create a spreadsheet for all my drugs. I, I get it. And he's like, yeah, Marlon Olsen told me this. And I'm like, who am I talking to? <laughs> so about an, half, halfway through this hour and a half long conversation about life and football, I find out I'm talking to Bob Lilly, Mr. Cowboy, arguably the greatest defensive tackle of all time before Aaron Donald arrived on the scene. Mm. And he was the nicest man, the mi- nicest, most down-to-earth guy. That's awesome. What an encounter. He says a lot about you that you would have like a, a half hour conversation with this guy. It's just very it was a very West story. Like it was the three of us were all me, you and Dan were all on the same flight. We all, you know, went to go try to look for stuff in the gift shop or whatever. We went our own ways and 
Dan and I aren't having that hour and a half conversation with Bob Lilly. Like if you had to like put Dan a, takes a total stray bullet out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm, uh, all right. I would never have that conversation. I, I don't want, I mean, I would, but I just, if I had to guess which one of the three of us, uh, that would have happened to, it well, was going to be you. Very well, very Wesleyan item. I think it happened because I didn't push him to talk about football mm. and he didn't really, you know, he. I think he appreciated that I knew who he was, but I wasn't like, "Oh, Bob Lilly, will you please sign this or something?" You know, he uh, he's someone that I don't know much about, other than what you say. That I think a seven or eight first time, first team All Pro. That if they had a special like Hall of Fame for just the top, you know, thirty guys, forty guys, like he would be in that Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, and here's here's what was cool. Like he's so he's 80 years old and he's got all these vitamins and pills. One rolls off the table and he snatches it like <laughs> <laughs> like Karate Kid with the chopsticks and he's like I never did lose my reflex. <laughs> See that's like back when Clavon supported the Cowboys. Little known fact. Well, Clavon kind of might not have been clo- alive yet. A classic yeah, I, I don't think I was here. Yeah, but at least you like respect their history and stuff. That's What do you mean? You know, you were you were a Cowboys fan you and you try Bob to hide really it is. now. You try to hide it. Hi, yeah, I'm doing a great job of hiding it, let me tell you. <laughs> you weren't hiding it very well when J.J. Wilcox was playing for no, that's, that's <laughs> Well, that was just as somebody who appreciated defensive back play. Apologies to J.J. All right. If you're out there not great. Erlen Olsen's sneaky good on Little House on the Prairie, by the way. Check we talked out. about that. Yeah. Wow. Um, good actor. So maybe that's something for me to – to uh, improve upon this off season, we should switch to our segment. That like like I could be the type of person like Wes that's curious enough about other people and, and <laughs> oh, a, has, a, has a gentle enough nature that I could just start start up conversations with um, random handsome men and see what happens. I yeah. would do exactly that. Right down happens. to right down to let the record the show that he struck up the conversation, yeah. not I. I'm, I'm skipping past afternoon delight. We've gone like 40 minutes on this, uh, right. on this news. <laughs> I want to go right to the segment, which is our our uh, great idea, um, because I think we all are flawed, flawed people. I mean, everyone is, but mm. especially us, you know. And there's a lot of areas for improvement we can we can look to this off season. Let's start with Mark Sessler. I think uh, talking about one area of uh, growth. I guess you could throw it out for yourself or or an NFL. Oh, player. I'll start with we'll an just, NFL one. We'll mix it all up. Sure. I'm going to start with an NFL one. I have a I had a, a number of these, but this one actually, I don't want to f- fabricate something that I don't really care about if it happens or not. This is one that I absolutely care about a lot, and it bothers me. And it's a league item. And it's something that would improve, in my world, football immediately. And that is the rules around uniforms. And I would say use this offseason and before the league meetings to lift this obnoxious five-year holding pattern for, we can each right now in our head, visually, and if you're listening, think of a team or two whose uniforms got changed in the last five, six, seven years and were awful. And they're stuck with them for half a decade under league rules. I would blow that up and say, if you get involved with a uniform that you realize two or three weeks into the season is just an eyesore and it looks awful under the early autumn sun and it looks bad in the snow and it looks bad under dome lights and it looks bad in the daytime and bad at night, 
you have the ability and the opportunity because you are dealing with a multi-million dollar marketing empire if you're one of these NFL teams to pull the switch, have multiple uniforms, and get rid of past mistakes as quickly as possible. These decisions are typically made. This is coming from a personal place. Well, it is personal, but beyond (laughs) beyond what Cleveland did, and they're changing theirs, and they better get it right because it's another five-year contract you're stuck in. But think about, for this is just personal, and no offense to the teams, but the Bucks have had hard uniforms to look at. Uh, the Jaguars here and there, they improved theirs to some degree. I mean, there's no end to it. There are some teams out there that the, the, the matchups between these two are, you cannot fathom it on television. And Greg at times is lucky to deal with a version of colorblindness. Let's work on this immediately. <laughs> this is not that hard to do because more uniforms, more options, more jerseys. Tell me anyone who loses here. You're right. I... I I know that the the hoops that you have to go through to do new uniforms are crazy. Like the Rams are trying to come out with some new uniforms as they move into the new state. It's like, why not just let teams make as many uniforms as they want and is, change it all the time? Is it is it for the fans that buy them? Right, they they don't want you know little Timmy to get stuck with this. Is it with this Richard? Well, I don't, well you're not you can, blowing up colors. Right, you can even like keep the old. Like, how about just have as many extras as you want? Like the NBA. Like, what's the what's the downside? Chaos. Let's have it. Right. I'm all for chaos. Let's do it. Don't, <laughs> don't take me as. Why well, have so many rules? Anti-chaos. All right, Wes, uh, an area of personal growth, or you know, an NFL player. Well, I have a theme that cares across both my own personal growth. Wow. Oh, the goal that I have for the future, plus what someone in the NFL needs to do, and it's chop wood, carry water. Baker Mayfield, chop wood, carry water. Make the main thing the main thing. Live in the moment. This is a guy who did not make the main thing the main thing last year. You need to make football the main thing in your life again. And I heard some disturbing stories at the Super Bowl that I think he kind of lost his way last year, and it went beyond football. Um, and I think this happens to a lot of athletes. You have to find a way to have the motivation to make football the main thing. Do you want to be great? Because I believe Baker Mayfield can be great. I, I think we saw it his rookie year. Do you, is that what you want foremost in your life is greatness in football? And maybe it will make you a, an imbalanced human being. Hmm. But for your career, what you're meant to do with the next 10 years of your life, make football the main thing, make being great the main thing, make sharpening your skills, honing your skills to raise your level to the other quarterbacks above you, make that the main thing. I couldn't agree more, and I think that some of the stuff we were hearing made a lot of sense because it did seem like Baker Mayfield's... wasn't just confidence. It was just sort of the way he presents himself and sort of what fuels him got thrown in a blender last season. And there were some interesting comments from Jarvis Landry that uh, I tweeted yesterday that came through a different interview and a different source where he basically said that team was in such disarray that on a weekly basis, when they ran through their first 15 scripted plays, that no one on the offensive side of the ball had any concept of what would come next, that there was a lack of a plan. And I can't think of a worse environment for a second-year quarterback to be in. So there's that part of it. But what did he do to get himself out of that? I don't know the answer to that, but we need to see more. When, you, when your whole game is built around slights and chips on your shoulder, it's easy to get caught up in creating those for yourself, adding more fuel to the fire that needs to be there. And it's it's hard for us to figure out what it is, right? From right. from a perception right. standpoint, it's like, well, is this because of mindset? Is this because of Freddie Kitchens? Is this because of Odell Beckham Jr.? And 
there's no way to know when they're losing and they look bad, you know, on the other 55 plays of the game after the first 15. And so it's tough. It's tough for Baker. It's tough for us to understand. And I think, like, for me, looking from the outside at a certain point, what if he's just not good? I don't, I'm not there yet, but that's where you eventually get to. Yeah, it was an erratic season that was hard to diagnose. To Wes's point, I think it's one of the great challenges of being – a professional athlete, to your point, Wes, then these are what your next 10 years are about. It's it's a very common thing um, to not, like, uh, have all your, you know, ducks in a row in terms of I want to be the greatest professional uh, that I can be at the age of 23 or 24. None of us were like that. You know what I mean? Like, you, it, it forces you to mature a lot faster. Like, that was not what was the most important thing in my life when I was 24 is to like do the best job I right. possibly could for my employers. That's all true, but he has, <laughs> I was, I was like, I was pretty okay with being mediocre at That's the time. Fine, but you're like, missing okay. a very important thing. Right. Baker Mayfield found his calling. He yeah. is driven to be a great football player. You didn't know at 23, 24, that this is the one thing in life. This is my prime directive to do this. That's true. He does. And that counts for a ton. That's true. Once uh, Roto World tapped the shoulder, motivation. Yeah. I really did. Motivation I really did. I suddenly was like, "Okay, this is it. This now, is I, it. now I need to try hard before they they take this away." <laughs> Claybon, um, I'm looking at a, a league that obviously I care about. Uh, I've, I've worked here for a while now, uh, but I think the message that they send, and it's it's random, and it, I think it's small, but uh, it expands out to me, is how teams can avoid mandatory inclusion for hard knocks. And the message sent there is if media has access, if you have exposure, then that hurts you in some way. It's it's bad. It's a distraction. And so what we end up with is right before the season starts, we promote a team that is bad, right? The rules state that you have to be bad hmm. uh, to, to be on hard knocks. And it comes at a time where we're trying to gin up excitement for the season. And, yeah, it gives us exposure to teams that we might not have been talking about. But it lays this foundation that, well, you know, if cameras are there, if people are talking about you, if people know your rookies better, if they see them sing, uh, if they see your GM in meetings, if they see your coach in meetings, that that hinders your ability to win football games. And it just it doesn't. The reason teams lose on hard knocks is because they're not any good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, if they were I better, think the Antonio Brown games. thing set hard knocks back a bit. Like, that was just a bad road to go down. I mean, they couldn't have guessed everything that would have happened. <laughs> None of us could Obviously, have but they leaned into it, and it was uh, it was unfortunate. I'm looking – you know, the Eagles did all or nothing. They're obviously a, a successful organization. I, that's going to – I don't know if that's out already, but it's coming out soon. That that could be interesting. I, it would be nice to see a, a better team on hard knocks. Do it, Patriots. I, I think it goes to the point of like the NFL in all most in most major sports are like reducing access. It's, they're always reducing it, but it's, it's not. They're not adding to it. It's like w- there's a lot more access in the NFL than there is in the Premier League and a, a lot overseas. They think, wow, you guys have crazy good access. Like at some point, you might have just about nothing. I mean, there are 31 teams that might be strong-armed into it in a different set of rules. Then there's then you travel down another 10,000 feet, and there's the Patriots. So, but you are wishing against wish. Right, the the thing is, like the Patriots have all kinds of access. Like we how, we've seen do your job 60 billion times. Yeah. Right. The, <laughs> the, the, there's those pl- practice clips of Belichick. We see 
run into the ground. The two like, Patriots do, uh, docks on Bel- Belichick, uh, where they followed him for a whole season, the 2009 season. But hard knocks is NFL. chaos, though. Like yeah. hard knocks can you're not quite you. Although teams can control what they let out. I'm gonna go. Um, my I'll throw out an NFL one next, but I'm gonna go personal growth here. Um, you know, every family, ultimately, or every marriage needs. It needs like a somewhat of a type A person that can make some plans. And the problem in in my family is like <laughs> me and my wife we're both very we're both very chill, and that's good. It leads to like a, a house without a lot of drama, but sometimes it leads to a house where nothing happens. No plans are made. You never go anywhere. You never do anything. You never create some some good moments for your for your children uh, to have. And you do. You know, sometimes those moments are just walking to the park and walking home from school and doing all sorts of stuff. But uh, someone needs to step up to the plate and make some plans and go on some trips this off season. And that you know, someone is gonna be me. We're going to SeaWorld on Saturday. There it is. I like and that. And uh, just generally, it's Get like, an agenda okay, going I need there. to I need to start taking the reins here because th- th- these kids are just getting older <laughs> and nothing's happening. It's like I'm I'm in awe of like these parents and even thinking back to my parents of like they schedule all these vacations and they do these things. And I look at our and it's like nothing ever scheduled because we don't really like think ahead. We're always just like there and uh, it's like, oh, what are we going to do today or this weekend? It's hard to fly by the seat of your pants if the object at rest stays at rest. Right, exactly. And and when, when children get involved, someone needs to start making some plans. So that's just my personal my personal. I like that one. Goal I like that. Growth. Let's go, Mark. All right. I will, I will give you, because I'm sure the show is getting beefy, I'll give you a couple quick hit personal ones. Number one, outside, this happened this morning, and this drives me absolutely nuts in my house. Uh, our, our fire detector, our smoke detector is located right outside the shower, the bathroom. And it does not tell the difference between smoke because there's never smoke in my house <laughs> and the mist that comes from when I like, I like my showers really hot and like the smoke and the mist or the mist is coming out of the bathroom and setting off the fire alarm all the time. And so I've got to figure out how to fix this. And I don't even know how to take the thing off the wall. I'm not good at that stuff. I'm not, Greg doesn't have a toolbox. I have one. I have no idea where it is. So it's not that different. Got to fix that thing. Number two, at some point in this offseason, I'm not going to tweet for 40 straight days. Yes. I'm done with Twitter, and it's just basically a look at me show most of the time. And I'm going to go on a huge, like, 40 day Twitter fast. And then last year, I went 10 days into this and then faltered. But I'm going to do this experiment again. And this is not for everyone, but it is for me, where you eat nothing but watermelon for 21 days. And what happened to me after 10 days was the great, I felt younger and happier than I have since like middle high school. And so I'm going to try the full 20 day experiment and see what happens to me. I will live. That's, these are random things. You felt great, but the people around you no, I knew. I, you know what? I even you wrote a note. Greg is going to talk about your moods. You weren't even around me. <laughs> you weren't. It was when I was on. It was a staycation, and I honestly could not have been any happier. And every time I bring up a diet experiment, Greg's like, "But your moods." Like I, I'm going to be moody no matter what. So you're totally wrong about saying, that one. I'm just saying, like, I knew that like, was coming. You're happy on the inside, and you're just like, "Hey, hey, no, it's hey, honestly, daddy, uh, can we watch? Shut up!" No, it's not like that. That's probably I happening in twenty that, days. No, that's probably happening all the time as it is and so I want to work on my overall moodiness too because I am very moody around the house at times do you so have, that's a side bet to that do you have a bathroom fan uh, I just opened the window to our yard because the, the bathroom fan is to expel moisture from the bathroom whether it be flatulence or, our, or shower mist so if you, if you have one I mean it sounds like a good idea for many reasons but 
I gotta, gotta figure out to take this uh, smoke alarm thing off. Give let's, me a break. Uh, let's, burn, uh, just let the house burn. Let's down. go behind the glass. We forgot Erica Tamposi, our producer, like. is gonna uh, contribute here. What What are you looking for uh, in, in terms for of- personal growth? Yeah, I really want to put. I know this sounds crazy, but like a lot more research and really get to the bottom of all the football stuff. I was really, really lucky to get to do a fantasy football show this year. And I I feel like I've learned so much just by producing you guys every week and all the stuff that you guys take. And, and, you know, Greg, I know you were joking, but even yesterday on the street, you were like, I'll ask you about personal, but nobody cares about your football opinion. (laughs) And it is true, but like, I don't, I don't want to just be... I mean, that was a joke. Of course, but it has truth. I mean, it has legs because... It is, it is true in a sense where I want to be taken seriously. I don't want to just be the funny, you know, wild, loose cannon girl that you guys can do for com- comedic relief. Like I do, I do know my shit, and I, I want to. Now I wanna, you're gonna have to beep your, yourself. That's a first. Yeah, no, it's probably not actually. <laughs> but I, I can tell you, it's hard to be on a show where your football opinion is not taken seriously. Ever. Oh. It is. It can be. It can be a struggle. Yeah. Well, I just I want to study more, and I want to prove that that I that I do know what I'm talking about. And I want to get better. That's a good. You're gonna do it. One. That's great. Gonna do it. A plus. I felt like that was my first, like my first couple of years doing Roto World and stuff. The off seasons were super valuable for that, like reading books and and like trying to, because it's the hardest sport. I I mean we we say this all the time. It's the it's the hardest sport to cover. There's the biggest gap between what the people on the field and the coaches know and the fans of any sport. It takes like five, it takes a long time to realize you don't even know anything. Like there, like it takes five years to know how little you truly know. I've come so to that good. juncture. <laughs> well, there's also fits and starts where it's like fog and you shine your bright lights on it and it's more opaque. It's harder to see. Yeah. So you have to kind of reach a point where you're like, Oh, yeah. I don't really know that much. I got to know more. And then you, no more, and you're like, I still don't know that much. I got, but that makes more. it exciting too. I think makes it more like I don't know. I think it makes it a better sport to cover. Yeah, and that's that's the ideal spot to be in is to know, but know that you don't know everything. Right. And I think a lot of the stuff, bad stuff about covering football comes from people trying to pretend like they know. Right, exactly. And Very ponderous. There's so many people that saying things as if as if they're certain, and and they're just not. What do you think the easiest sport is to cover? Football Baseball. Part? <laughs> really? I couldn't I couldn't write I don't know that much about baseball at all. Mm. Someone threw me into cut like suddenly call a baseball game. I mean it would be an, an absolute nuclear disaster. Out of baseball, basketball, and football, baseball's the easiest. That's what I'm saying. Of the four I'm talking what about the bowling. Four major sports. Well you yeah. Cover bowling with my eyes. Closed. I mean, how how many, is that harder than how baseball? How many still calling hockey a major sport? How I I don't know. Uh, all right, let's throw tennis and golf in there. Whatever. Uh, no, who is covering bowling full time? I'm just saying. How many turn, of those like, gigs are out there? E- baseball is there has even like, one? Is there one person covering bo- bowling full time? There's gotta be. Sure there is. Yeah, it's gotta be like for who? Because people are making Who's money bowling. Them? People are making. ESPN covers it. I mean, it used they to be do, ESPN, but that's, ESPN it's not a full time. I don't know if that's a full time job. If you're out there covering bowling, it's like oh, he knocked down nine. Well, that means guys, what? in this next shot, he's got to get one more down. Let me know. I think probably to call all of them to an excellent level is is equally difficult. I'll I'll say that. Sports are fun. Go sports. (laughs) Go sports. Wes, how about you? I have to make my Lieutenant Dan-like peace with my creator and mortality. And it's been hanging over my head for a couple of years. And that's why I mentioned chop wood, carry water. The old Zen Cohen about enlightenment and being in the moment. And not being afraid to go back down to the basics and tap into that. And it also, for me, has another meaning. 
all of that, I have to figure that out. But also what I've become after cancer is I really like cooking and grilling. I've always liked it, but for whatever reason, I'm more driven to do it now. And I have this vision in the future of a barbecue and blues joint where I can surround myself with family and friends, the people I want to be around because I don't want to be around a lot of people. But to me, the key to life is be around the people you do want to be around. And if I can open that up, if I can create one new signature dish every year, last year I created about four or five. So I got a head start. Mm -hmm. So this year I create another one. Keisha wants a YouTube project called it's over for the Westlings because everyone keeps telling us you can't have fun once your parents. That's not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys are so naive. You think you'd still be the fun, cool people. Well, it's over for us. So that's kind of like our ironic take on it. But she wants me to have a grilling station on our YouTube channel. So I'm going to chop wood, carry water. The wood is, I mean, that's that's what barbecue is, indirect heat with wood fire and water from the sous vide that I've been into. So something to do with that. Um, so I got to figure out how all that works together and then weave fatherhood into it for the first time. So I've got a lot of changing to do this off season. Mm. <laughs> you guys are going to crush it. I yeah. Think. Thank you. I don't think uh, it's uh, a lot going on. Fatherhood. Yeah. We'll be coming to you. You know, you just are going to be reacting to that. That's, <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. And I mean, I mean, it kind of goes, I, I hear what, what you're saying. You're like, it's very wise words, what you're saying. And life is about creating like those moments. That's partly why I'm trying to force myself to make plans. Cause like sometimes that sometimes those moments happen uh, when you do, when you do some, when you get out of your comfort zone, which is, you know, your, your own house. But to your point, like having, having different passions outside of this job is, is important. I also think the West of 2020 is going to have an easier time shifting into the rigors and delights of parenthood than if I, the West that I met in like 2013, <laughs> if suddenly you had a child like the next morning, you would have had some jarring well, scenarios to work on. That person was a bad decision-making machine. Yeah, we've scared I don't think you that too about much you about like, it's more that like Keisha has like a very specific agenda of a lot of these things. It's like, well, Tuesday nights, we're going to be doing this. And like Friday nights, you know, and, and you, who know, you know. She's a scheduler. <laughs> she she is that person. Like you don't have that worry in your household in terms of in terms of schedule. I'm gonna throw out my next because now I realize saving the football one was a bad move because like we should just close mm. on that or close on whatever Claybon's got. That's, that, that's what we're to gonna. People, that's what we're gonna do. Um, my um, my area just quickly of of an NFL figure that can can grow uh, personally is uh, is for Ryan Pace and for Matt Nagy to just admit. Admit mistakes and move on from uh, prior, prior mistakes. Don't hold on. You know, we all make so many mistakes, um, but uh, a lot a lot more pain happens from holding on to those mistakes. And, and maybe don't let the Chargers go get Cam Newton. Maybe you be the team. that. It's a short life. It's a short career in the NFL. Uh, make the most of it. You want to create some moments. Get get Cam get or get someone else. There's a lot of quarterbacks that could be out there. Uh, just you, it doesn't matter what you said publicly in December 31st. No one's going to mind when you when you deliver a, a real quarterback and, and they don't have one. I think we all agree that that's what the Bears should do. But I just as a thought exercise, how does that pain measure? The pain of making a bad decision and standing by it measure against the pain of Mitch Trubisky, and I don't know what the odds are, going to another franchise and, and succeeding wildly after you cut him and didn't give him another year. Can't, just, just as a thought, live, I can't live life that way, worrying yeah. about. But it is going to be pain if you see him in another uniform doing great things. Well, I don't know why you couldn't bench him too. 
if he lost a competition to a veteran in the summer. I mean, then you're then you're protecting against that. I'd almost roll the dice on Mitch Trubisky not going someone else somewhere else and turning into Aaron Rodgers also. Yes, <laughs> I just I just don't see it. I don't no, see it. I've not seen it for two seasons. That. So crazier things have happened. They have. Take that chance. Uh, for me, uh, just professionally and also personally, I, I've got to. I have no problem being honest with people that I like, like with you guys. Uh, honestly, with people on Twitter, I can do it easy. Um, but when it comes to professionally, uh, people that I want to like me, um, I I'll fall back and say less. I'll cut my sentences short. I'll leave thoughts to myself because uh, I don't want to hurt feelings. I, I don't want to create awkward circumstances, and it, and it really sets me back because hmm. uh, I, I look at the way – and not that I want to take things to the extreme and, and not to name names about anybody that, that works here. But Do, though, please. If, if, something, if something happens and it puts somebody in a bad position, those people will say something. Um, hmm. Me, I, I tend to keep that to myself, and I'll burn myself, say, oh, you know, I, I should have been better prepared for that. But everything isn't my fault you know i i am the, <laughs> you know i'm role-playing the protagonist of existence like I, I get that but uh there are there are certain obstacles to get put in my way that i need to be a little more vocal about um and and quit taking the easy way out mm. uh because I, I i do it i do it in a lot of capacities and and sometimes sometimes i don't do it at all and i always feel better uh when i don't do it but i i've, I've just got to quit shortchanging myself because um you know it's 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 been a long year. <laughs> um, lost my mom right before the Super Bowl last year. I was doing Super Bowl live. I did two blocks of the show uh, after I found out it happened, and I'm I'm still working in that chair uh, all the time. And I'm thinking about you mm. know all the all the times where I, I just get run over, <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm constantly you know playing playing dumb to to make somebody else seem smart, or you know just going through the motions and I've got to quit doing that because it's it's a disservice to me it's a disservice to the people that are watching so, so no more you feel like you you can be yourself with people you're comfortable around but you want to be yourself with everyone yeah and, and a lot of the a lot of the times that's me just listening and not saying anything well we all kind of do that a little bit like you you change how much of yourself you give to another person depending on how well you know that person and how comfortable you are with standing up for yourself too and for other people yeah. but but letting them know in yeah in that situation hmm. and it's always easier for me to stand up for other people uh, right th- than it is for myself and so I, i've I've just got to figure out a way not that I'm like oh you know poor little Patrick <laughs> but like but uh, you don't want to have those yeah. like a minute after the conversation ended and the other person walked out of the room, oh, I should have said this. Or, yeah. Yeah, I should. Yeah. I like that. I feel that way a lot, too. This has uh, been a deep I like shot. all your goals. Very cathartic. Yeah, we, yeah. we did I it. know. Mine seemed pretty basic after you guys. Patrick, no, I, I don't got, care. I got something for Mine is un- un- detaching a smoke alarm. I was like, I, I want to go to SeaWorld. <laughs> I was at a job before this at, a, at another TV show I was I was at, and it was nothing compared to what other people have, have gone through. But there was a guy that I worked with who would be joking with me and would say a lot of things that were really sort of inappropriate. And, and I'm talking crossing the line. But it was someone I worked with, someone that was like, it was always a joke. It wasn't outright and I would go home and and talk to my roommate or talk to people about it and be like it's really upsetting me but I don't want things to be weird at work and I know it's like not not compared to like what you're saying now but you just said something that reminded me 
so when I told that, they were like, what if I came home and said what this guy said to you? You would be you would be so defensive. You would be like, hey, that's not cool. You can't talk to her like that or you can't do this. So someone taught me something that I've been I still am not good at doing it. But if you start looking at yourself as you're defending someone else, because when it's me, I'm not going to speak up. And I, I find myself really boisterous, really strong headed and all this. But as soon as it comes to me where I'm worried about upsetting someone or don't want to make the mood weird, it's like, but wait, if someone was talking to Greg like that or Mark or Wes or like I would be, hey, this is not cool and I'm not going to let it be cool. So it's like if you try to put yourself in that situation where you're defending someone else because it's crazy. We all would stand up for someone else. But when it comes to ourselves, it's completely different because you're never you're never worried about how the other person is perceived based on on your response. But when when you do it for yourself, it's like I I see to, you know, go full disclosure, kimono open like money and Siciliano have segments on the show that I started, you know, with with NFL NFL now. Yeah. Um, Used to be up to the minute. And and like I, I think about it and I've never said anything. I've never said anything publicly. I've never said anything in a meeting. It's like, you know, I want to have something that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sometimes like, they don't know what you want to. Yeah. You know, and, and so. that's because I don't say yep. anything. So it's, it's this like, is very healthy. You, you have to say something. Yeah. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. Maybe I, I mean, maybe these Shadow League figures are listening to this episode right now, but I sort of doubt if it. If they see my name in the description, I can't. Oh, well, there's, there's another aspect of this is like, you, if you're good, you think, well, I shouldn't have to ask. They should recognize it and come up with the idea. Hey, I want to feature this person here. But we've learned that is not how uh, how this world works for the most part, or the business. Not how NFL Network. Works. That's not how the business works on some level. Unfortunately, that you do need to be your own um, advocate. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, sometimes. I wouldn't be here. We all wouldn't be here if you guys hadn't carved out this thing for yourself and just made it happen. Um, so got to make it happen largely without oversight which is a one way to go i would <laughs> that, say that's a that was <laughs> that was a factor the fact that you know nobody really cared what we were doing and the studio wasn't occupied so let's go do it nobody <laughs> like, cares like, anyway like yes yeah, sneak around uh it, it is great sometimes being under the radar uh for a while yeah. and then and then you, yes then you do not want to be under the radar and we've gotten to that point and that's why uh we can have these types of conversations this is a very off-season show to me it was uh, a good way to kick off the off-season we had some real football talk, but we uh, we had some talk, as Dave Damashek would say, about the little game of life, right? Is that what he says? <laughs> well, what he does. I don't know why I went with the Sheck. I don't know. He had had me on the show in three years, so I don't know. Oh. <laughs> now you're talking up. I like this. You're, you're... I'm not going to give you a grade. And Dan, to me, is the perfect host. But it is healthy once in a while to hear a different voice and to take the show in a different direction and then come mm. back to – the stasis of what you always do the next show. Sure. Well, that is it's part of the fun of the off season, and we'll we'll have lots of uh, different combinations, lots of different types of shows. We can uh, stretch our legs a little bit. We will be plenty busy uh, with uh, the combine we're going to in a couple weeks, and owners meetings and free agency. We will be back next week for two shows, Tuesday and Thursday, before cranking it back up to three shows a week. After that, for a while, I know Erica. You're excited about that. Uh, in the meantime, though, I think it's time. Let's get out of here. For Mark Sessler, the Sizzler, the Chef, Chris Wesseling, Patrick Claybon, and uh, Erica Tamposi, I'm Greg Rosenthal. See you Tuesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.